0: Hey, my name is Akash Dakar, and this is Sound Business. This is the podcast where we dive into the mindsets and methods of some of the top musicians, sound designers, or audio creators in the world. We're gonna interview everyone from plugin makers, performing musicians, video game composers, and everything in between and learn how they run a successful business and how they're making a killer living in the worlds of music and sound. My hope with this podcast is that you can be exposed to the many myriad different ways there are to make a killer living in the worlds of music and sound and help you realize that there's no one right way to get to the top. And with that, let's get into the episode. My guest today is Michele Arnesi. Michele is the founder and CEO of Amp Sound Branding based out of Munich, Germany, which has done audio branding for companies such as Mercedes, MasterCard, Porsche, and many, many others. In this episode, we talk about what audio branding is, how he got into the field, how he brought his company to work with all these huge successes, how he's using AI in his audio work, and much more. So without further ado, let's get into the interview with Michele Arnesi. So I want to hear about sonic branding because this isn't the sort of thing that people tend to just dive into. When it comes to audio, people say, oh, I want to be a composer or I want to be a sound designer or mixing engineer or something like that. But you wound up in a different place with sonic branding. So tell me how that happened and how you wound up where you are.
1: Yes, uh, thank you I for the question. I mean, I have to look back at some couple of years, basically. We are kind of pioneers of this business. I was working as a management consultant. I uh, studied also music, and at one point I was very, you know, sick about uh, doing my job as a management consultant. I was m- missing my passion. And then I was looking around, and I was, after, you know, playing with bands, uh, doing music all my life, I was thinking, what I can do with music, because I will never be a professional musician at my point, you know, and what I can do that takes the music in my life. Just, I don't, didn't want to let it go. And the idea of Sonic Branding was born at that time because it was, you know, the perfect next step for me just to combine the opportunity to talk to people, consult, understand, you know, brands and corporations, but apply that, you know, to music. And this is how the journey started with Sonic Branding and AMP. And of course, I had to, uh, when people ask myself, what are you doing, Sonic Branding? Ah, you are doing jingles. I was like, yeah, kind of. Uh, are you doing a beep, beep of, of something? Yeah, we are also there. So I, I see that there is really a very broad understanding of what we are really doing, but in the sense of creating something for a brand, like a global brand that was not there before, so an identity. You can recognize, you can follow, you can uh, enjoy and and listen to a different touch points. This is something that, you know, took time to to, uh, get the people understanding that.
0: Yeah. And tell me about those steps, because I'm sure when you're playing in bands and working as a management consultant, realizing you didn't want to do that job anymore. It wasn't an instant thought of, oh, sonic branding, like it
1: probably didn't come to you at 3 a.m. one day. So how did those steps start to form? It was at that time when I met my, my former partner, we came from exactly two sides. He uh, was a composer, and he was done with this kind of composing on commission. He didn't want to do that job anymore, and was looking for, you know what I can do maybe more related to the brands. And I was coming from the other direction. <laughs> and, then, and then basically we, we met at that time, it was uh, 2008. Uh, Sonic Branding was in an early stage. But it was a trend we could identify, and uh, we just met exactly the same compensation and expectation from the other side at the same time. And uh, if I remember the first presentations we did uh, with, with some clients explaining why the Catholic Church is the perfect example of, of a good brand, but also of a good sonic brand. And then we use it like the bells in the village, you know, signaling, okay, someone, there was a wedding, or there was a funeral <laughs> and then oh this is a functional sound yes it is and then like the um, the service so the mass like the old rituals and the different music that you use for different moments of the ritual and everybody everybody was following so on the client side when we try to explain what is this we we saw in the first months okay this makes sense and this makes sense exactly from both perspectives so the music and the branding consultancy joined in one. That's why we have no background as a production music company. We we have really uh, a founded AMP. We were born with the idea of a sonic identity from the beginning.
0: That's really cool. And
1: you've been running the company for
0: around like 13 years now, which yes, is 13 years. amazing. And I'm sure you've noticed trends in the field. So in terms of sonic branding, On the outside, I don't really notice any trends between brands or branding in general, but what have you seen? Have you noticed anything, kind of a through line between any brands with sonic branding?
1: In terms of trends, the trends are changing a lot across the last uh, 13 years. We saw that, and uh, for example, it's clear that what we do basically, so we create the sound for a brand, it doesn't go with technologies. I think this is what I learned after 13 years. You don't have to think in technologies. You have to think about your ears. This is about what people hear. doesn't matter where they do that. We went with the rise of always-on content. Uh, Stock music libraries growing so much, so fast at one time, right? So coming from the crafted custom music to, you know, everything sounds the same. And because of the growing of the volumes for, for the media production for brands. So this was a trend and then the next trend came, podcast, and then the next trend came, social audio, right? And then during the pandemic, the importance of having an audio identity was also something that nobody could have seen before. And, and then now with the metaverse, so it's, it's a continuous changing. So what I learned is one thing is constant. We create for your ears, and that's uh, absolutely right.
0: Mm, That's really cool. And I'm sure you've kind of noticed different ways to incorporate research into your work as well. So I'm curious how you think about that, because I'm sure at least in visual logos and branding, something that works in one culture might not work in another culture, for example. Does that sort of thing come up with you with your research when doing sonic branding, too?
1: yes this is a, a research is a topic that came already since a lot of years we have been one of the first working with some for example audio testing companies as a as a pioneer trying to understand what does the research give us as a, as answers because what we have seen very soon is basically everybody is a dj <laughs> and everybody as a, a music expert you know you have an opinion on music and uh, this is where, when you talk to a client, you present the work. It's very difficult with music to uh, exclude your own your subjective feeling about whatever we present. One time, a client just cried during the meeting because the music was so touching. I didn't know what to say, what to do. And she said again, I cannot do this meeting. I, I, I'm so touched from the music we have to stop it (laughs) and i was surprised about that you know (laughs) and i it's clear that what we are not just presenting something that is you know perceived as being out of the person it goes inside the other person you are talking to so research was from the beginning was an issue and, and a topic because we said we need data we need to do something in the conversation and uh Thanks to my background, you know, I, I'm uh, in statistics and this kind of thing. So I was trying to understand how can we like have an objective way to talk about something that assesses the music along with your own, of course, perception of the brand, off-brand, on-brand. So we uh, started doing market research, asking people. We also went back to the history of music, right? So, for example, if you want to create something that works. In all cultures. You know that there are some rules to observe, like the pentatonic scale instead of something else. So we were trying to mix all these ingredients to make the people aware that, you know, and this is also proven. (laughs) And uh, we started working also with a partner, Veritonic, for example. They are one of the very first worldwide platforms for AI audio testing. So, And we explored this interesting way to pre-assess music with artificial intelligence that has been trained with real market research, with tons and tons of music, how the real people responded to it, so that the AI can take a decision without a real person judging the music. And and we we collaborated with them a lot, especially at the beginning, just also giving our expert uh, you know, feedback on that and building the platform. And uh, I think research is, is a very important part of our job. Without research, to be honest, working with global brands, we could not finish any project right now. So it's an important point. And this is one of the first questions that the clients ask us now. Because 10 years ago, the client was thinking about oh, there is a master of music and he can decide, that's fine. Now the clients are more aware, oh, we we need really something that helps us. Do you have something like this? And we say, yeah, we use research, uh, very different research in our projects. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's
0: so much to dive into there. Oh, my God. But one thing to talk about continuing on the research is when it comes to that, and you're you're showing data to these clients how do you present it in a way that makes sense to someone who knows nothing about music or sound or anything like that because you know they might just say something like, we need it to sound blue and then your job is to translate all that and make them feel safe and choose you as a provider so how do you kind of talk to
1: them through that a uh, very good question basically because when you have to explain it when you have the data it's too late so what we normally do with our clients we establish a language before we create anything. This is what we call the sonic principles of a brand. So we define the brand should sound like this, like this, like this, like this. And there is a mood board. There are dos, there are don'ts. And this is an interesting journey because the client learns a lot. Normally, you don't have clients that are aware of a sonic process. A lot of them, they do it for the first time. So you have to be, you know, as an agency, you have to be very down to hurt in terms of language, in in terms of understanding. You have to have an emotional intelligence as a client manager, creative director, and this emotional intelligence is mostly to understand how the client wants to understand and talks about music. So we establish that language and then when we create and then we test and then we have the data, we refer exactly to what we agreed on before the process started and then they have been um, already through the mood board selection with us. We do it really like a quiz games with the client. So we present some tracks after we, you know, establish the sonic principles. So this is how your brand should sound. And this is, by the way, how the brand should not sound equally important. Then we play some songs and the clients should say, Oh, th- I think this is on-brand. I think this is off-brand. And then it, this is a fruitful discussion because they get used to this uh, type of discussion. Content-wise, it maybe it's not that important, uh, talking about this one track, but the fact that we talk about that facilitates later on the presentation of data and the presentation of, of the creative part.
0: Oh, that's really, really neat. So you mentioned earlier when you are doing your research artificial intelligence, and I'm sure a lot of listeners' ears kind of perked up like, oh. What? Because it is a thing. It is definitely a thing where audio people are like, no, I'm hearing all this AI-created music, and it's not terrible. Oh, no, it's going to get so much better. It's going to steal our jobs. And you used AI in your research. So can you talk to that and how that's fitting in and how you think about that future?
1: Yes, so I think the AI in the research is something that is different from the AI that creates something. So for the research, we use AI to uh, have something that is repeatable, under controlled conditions, right? So you can, for example, make changes to some assets and you can repeat exactly the same test under controlled conditions, and you see how your improvement improved some points of the music, for example, the memorability, the recall, uh, the feeling of uniqueness, authenticity, the happiness, uplifting, and all these kinds of things you can measure, right? The AI that creates, I think this is a, a discussion we have a lot in the industry because the role of AI is misunderstood completely. Uh, we have also internally a We have our uh, production teams, right? The first time we started creating our uh, software, we have uh, also software that we use for the sonic branding implementation that understand uh, uh, tagging of music and all these kind of things. They said, Michele, are you planning to close our production team now and thus substitute it with some AI that creates the music? And this is not how it's working. But if you consider that with the AI, we have now the capability to take one existing track, which has been created by an artist, by the way, but taking an existing track and making an edit of this track automatically, because you have a video and then you have, like maybe two cue points in the video will say, oh, here I need the higher of energy, here I need some tension, and then the grand finale, right? And you can tell the AI, please take this music and make this out of it, and this works pretty well. And and this is where we can help brands on high volume productions. Things can be uh, bounced. So just to use a musical term from the production, you can bounce things that are of a higher uh, standard quality, even considering the high volume you have to to take care of. So this is where the AI is really helping. Yeah, and it seems like you're still the conductor of that AI. Like it's not doing everything on its own, right? Correct. Correct. So the AI is just your assistant, <laughs> let's <laughs> say. So you are taking creative decisions. You are creating. you are, we work with artists from all over the world. We have a very special process of creation. We have our own. Uh, composers, and they do everything. So we are really working highly creatively, but the AI assists during this process.
0: Now, during this whole process, you're getting people to listen to tracks and they're saying yes, no, to if it fits on brand. I'm sure you've dealt with situations where maybe not recent clients but clients in the past have said like we want it to sound exactly like this thing don't change anything just make it legal for us to use basically and how do you talk them through that and make sure like no 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 we want something more unique
1: uh yeah i mean this is a huge topic the sound alike right and uh, to be honest uh, we had a couple of situations where of course and we have good partners for that we had to check that the sound alike is not too close to the real one <laughs> so In terms of music production for advertising, this is a common practice. So there is a director, he has this track in mind. The track cannot be afforded because it's too expensive. And then a production is asked to do something like very, very close to that. So, And this is like the execution, right? So it's a campaign, it's an ad. Uh, in our case we make to the client the point very clear that is not about one execution this is about an identity and this is i think what makes our job very different from this point of view so you don't create an identity with uh, tempo 120 bpm forever and uh, uh, something that sounds forever in a major and <laughs> you don't create something that sounds forever with uh, an electric bass so we need make the point that the brand needs an identity that it's like a naked body. It, your naked body, it's your person. You, you know, you have a face. You, re- you have a recognition. You have a body, but you dress differently depending on the situation you are going to. Right? It's a gala dinner. You dress like a gala. Or if you want to be disruptive, you dress like a yeah, like a rapper at a gala dinner, <laughs> which is also okay, right? But mm. it's a decision of flexibility. So the the sonic identity for a brand should be flexible. That's why whenever we get a request, can you do it, make it like this? We say, yeah, but also like this and like this, like this. Should be also always yourself as a brand. We talk a lot with branding people, so they understand a lot the comparison with the visual work, right? So the, the same idea, the same flexibility, you build a visual identity system, not about only one single asset that stays always the same, but we have a combination of things. And uh, in the same way, we work for the sonic identity. And
0: when it comes to, you know, you're talking to clients a lot, but then you have to take that and you have to translate it to your team, right? Because obviously it's not you doing absolutely everything. That'd be impossible. So how do you do that? How do you direct all the other artists? How do you tell all your other people, here's what we're going to be doing? Here's what we're going to be working on, giving them feedback if they're making assets for you. How do you manage that well and translate what they need into what your people need to help you do?
1: Yeah. so me was uh, supposed to be the the company, right? So we have uh, we have different teams. (laughs) The funny thing, um, Akash, and we get a lot of uh, application every day attempt for people who want to work in in this uh, field, the job. We just invented this job this job doesn't exist <laughs> if i have to describe this job i don't know how to start so it's uh, and all people that work at amp uh, are coming from a very different background right so that's why we have different teams that take care of this process in a different way we have client manager that are you know communicating with with the clients in terms of uh, project management they know the different pieces of the puzzle that are needed for a project like this. It's a complex project. Our projects, uh, when we start developing an identity, is about some months, it's not um, just a couple of weeks. Then we have a creative team, which is at the core of our work. So the creative team is the team that talks to the client and tries to understand the identity of the brand, translates the identity, creates the sonic principles, does the quiz games with the client, takes this to the creative brief and et cetera. Then we have an artist services team. And this is the team that briefs artists from all over the world with the, the, the brand brief to create uh, the sonic DNA for, for the brand, like the core piece. And uh, this team has also very special capabilities and very special skills because uh, need to understand a creative brief But they need to talk to also the artists out there. So they need to understand how to brief an artist that maybe has never done something like this before. But this is where the magic happens because then you have something authentic coming out of this process. And behind there is a brand brief, but it's not necessarily, you know, something that you expose to that to that extent. So we translate. I think we talk at least five different languages in one Sonic branding project. We start talking like the brand language, the project management. Then we talk the uh, creative language. So metaphors, inspiration and everything. Then we talk like the music production language, very specifically. And then, you know, the PR language, how we can describe a process that we do. So it's really um I, I Kind of Leonardo da Vinci kitchen here. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. And something that you hit on as
0: a broad point is that all of these different pieces are you know, you're running a business, you're running a company, you're running a team and a lot of musicians, sound people get into this field, not realizing that they're helping businesses, they're running a business, they're more entrepreneurial as much as they are as an artist, right? You're not just making music, there's so much more to it than that. You just highlighted that. So for those people who are maybe just getting started or not used to thinking about their work in a business sense, what sorts of tips or mindsets or books or anything like that do you recommend to people who tend to ignore? the kind of business side of things.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, and we have a huge network, uh, hundreds of artists from all over the world. We have a a team that uh, is also doing the talent scouting for artists. We see that the artists are basically divided in two groups. The first group is uh, the artists that have a sense of business so that they, you know, can create uh, within a timeline. And this is not easy for a creator. It's absolutely not easy to be like professionally creative. This is uh, something that I would say only 50% can. And we try to educate the other 50% because they are talented and and crafted, you know, with something to that process. And uh, the recommendation that I give is trying to exercise this creativity within a professional like setup and timeline, because this is the secret of of success. We think that the really, really big artists out there are crazy. Now they are very savvy in terms of the business and also the dependencies of what they do. And I think uh, this is where the collaboration with a lot of artists goes much better than in other cases, where there is an understanding of what are the dependencies. So if I deliver that, what happens then after that? What 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 are the implications of that? And this is like, less the business side, it's more really trying to understand the big picture, where your work is embedded in.
0: I like that a lot. And for those people who like, you know, when you start a business like yours, or any business, you're not working with Porsche day one, right? Like, that's usually not something that happens. So how do you kind of build to that, especially when you have no, you know, logos or sound branding done, how do you prove to these companies, hey, AMP is the place to go? Like,
1: how do you tell them? (laughs) If I look back at the story, of course, it's a mix of, you know, trying to convince that you have a great idea with examples there was one example that um, boosted our sales but the, the 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 attitude to convince brands you know about what we are doing and this is and I'm grateful forever to this example is one of the best sonic identities ever and this is the one from James Bond we used uh, this example and we had like many many years ago the idea let's take James Bond Let's split James Bond into the ingredients. What does make James Bond so recognizable, but also the longevity, right, of James Bond, 60 years and still fresh. And we went back to ourselves and say, okay, you know what? Because it's not based on just one element. It's based on very different elements. So then we, we cut the James Bond music, explain, OK, like dun, 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 dun. this is a riff, but this riff is very, very particular, so it's very, very unique. And then you have another melody, ba, 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 and this is the main melody, but you can just ignore the main melody. If you use the riff, it's already James Bond. You don't need both. And then you, you have the chord progression, of course. Ba, 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 and this is also very unique by itself. And then we build a video with the James Bond Sonic Identity. And to be honest, that time we didn't have so many global clients to convince other clients. And sometimes this was enough. They say, you know what? I never thought about that. This is really a great idea. Let's do it. This is how it started. So I think having the opportunity to tell a story in a way that the potential client understand, even though you you don't have these big cases behind you, But you are a person who can convince because you have really the capability to talk their language and explain that in a way that they get it. I think this is a good point. So you can build your own example. And there might be pushback, though, because there are
0: brands that typically, you know, on the outside, don't look like they have a sonic identity. Like Apple is a good example. When the Apple logo appears, there's no exact sound that Apple always uses. They don't need it.
1: They don't need it. <laughs> so talk to me about that. Like, how do you kind of think about that in that case? I will never propose to Apple to use a Sonic logo because it does not make sense for Apple, right? So if you take Apple and you, you take like your experience with Apple products, I think we get more Sonic infused from Apple than from everything else because all the uh, user functional sounds that you have when you use a a product and also the iPhone. Yeah, right, the iPhone sounds and even, you know, the ringtones and everything. This builds the sonic identity of Apple. And Apple did something very clever from a creative point of view. They created also commercials where they use it, the functional sounds inside the soundtrack. So can you tell me why do you need a sonic logo at the last three seconds of an ad of Apple if you have five times the shutter sound played throughout the 30-second spot, and you can close your eyes, and I know exactly which product is talking to me. So that's why I we don't go to Apple and offer a Sonic logo today. (laughs) I love it, but in a way, they still have Sonic branding. It's just not what you would expect. Correct. It's just different. And, you know, to be honest, we were among the first many, many years ago to make the point that a Sonic identity is not just a Sonic logo. As a brand identity is not a brand logo, it's much more. And that's why I think you have to think in a very flexible way. That's why we have this um, ranking of Sonic Identities best audio brands. It's, I think, the biggest index and ranking of Sonic identities in the world right now. We analyze 250 brands and with also the use of uh, tools like uh, customer engagement on social our tonality analysis and everything so it's really data based and then we have like a ranking and we have like the first 10 then the top 50 etc and apple is among the first 5 although they don't have any Sonic logo, because everybody can recognize the brand with closed eyes. And this is the goal. You have to think broad. You have to think in a way that goes to the goal of what Sonic branding is, is to build a trustful relationship to a brand through your ears, no matter how you do that. Could be, you know, Nike also. It's a great example. Nike doesn't have a sound, but probably if you show me three and I don't know what is going on there, I could say maybe this is from Nike because you can observe there is a way they use the, the, the speaker that is very particular. It's like a reportage. It's like from the reality talking. There is a way they use sound effects. There is a way they use the music. So, you know, there is a style that can be recognized. Of course, the question is how much can I do that? That's why the memorability of a melody is very handy to that because... As humans, we uh, memorize melodies in a part of our brain where we create uh, memories and emotions together, while noises are going in the part of the brain where we don't have any uh, memory of that. We are very stupid when it comes to uh, sound design. We hear mm-hmm. the sound, we process it because it's like for protection and then I play the same sound five seconds later and it's the same reaction. So we forgot what <laughs> happened before. We are like like dogs, right? So forgetting exactly what happened five seconds before. And we do reprocess it because it's more about, the noises are more about, you know, the self-protection, the instinct. But the melodies, they are creating the real emotions and are stored in the part where the memories are. Mm. And you mentioned, speaking
0: of melodies, you also mentioned trust and a good example is your MasterCard branding, right? That's only five, six notes. It's very simple overall, but it's used in so many different contexts. And I remember reading your research and you showed that the trust with the brand MasterCard increased by like 78% after all of your sonic branding. So can you talk about how you measured that and why just this simple melody was so important to creating this brand?
1: Yes, I mean, the measurement have been done by MasterCard, and uh, they refer, for example, to the moment where you uh, do a payment, right? And this is just one touch point of the brand. And also, this is not just one melody, but it's a sonic DNA behind the sound of MasterCard. Because if you go to all channels like the always-on content, like uh, YouTube and and, uh, Instagram, etc., you will hear this red thread, but also, as a musician, it's not possible to create hundreds of music production out of one single melody. People, at one point, they, they get annoyed. So that's why we created a system behind that give, uh, gives Mastercard the flexibility. So the trust is built with each single piece of recognition you can put there. And the payment moment, of course, it's a moment of truth for the brand. That's why Mastercard wanted to, to measure. The test has been done like with a, a visual animation with the sound when you pay, and they have seen that the sound adds really this element of trust a lot compared to the scenario without the sound. And there are also some other interesting findings from from that that make make possible to say that what the theory says about the level of trust built by music that you recognize and recognize again, this is applied to, to a global brand if the implementation goes Holistic because you have to build the memory structures around the brand at different touch points if you have for example If you would have the payments of the MasterCard completely disconnected from everything else MasterCard This could not help the brand as an holistic uh, identity can
0: That makes sense
1: and when it comes to teaching other
0: people these mindsets because I know you teach sound branding in Milan so how are you kind of, te- what are you telling them to listen for? What are you teaching them to do? How are you telling them this is what sound branding is? Because if it's a new composer, a new sound designer, they might think, oh, I just put a sound to the logo, and if it's cool, it's good. What else are you trying to get them to listen to?
1: Well, I think in this example, when uh, I teached in, uh, in the NABA, in the Nuova Academia delle Belle Arti in, in Milan, it was less about sonic branding itself. But was more interesting to teach the people what does it mean if you have a lemon in the hand and you have to do the sound for this lemon you know it's it's more about teaching how can i write a briefing that captures exactly the story about something and how can i transfer this story this emotion this tonality into music because if i can do that then i can work for brands And this is exactly the core of the capabilities that you have to build around sonic branding, just to imagine what does it mean? And then we talk a lot about cross modality. So it's, uh, you know, the lemon is like yellow, it's like bitter or sour. What, what do you do with that? And I think this is the, the example that helps students to understand, okay, how can I write a brief that captures the essence of, of a brand? And then it's done.
0: That's really cool. I love that exercise. Now, considering it from the outside, it looks like, oh, you figured it all out. There's nothing left to do. There's nothing left to learn. I'm sure that's not true. So I'm curious what you're focused on now. What are you learning? What are you looking to? What sorts of trends are you kind of looking for? What's on the horizon for you?
1: Many things. So we are um, pretty engaged in our tool development right now. And it seems to be the border is just our imagination. We are uh, working a lot in the voice topic, uh, like cloning voices, which is a very interesting uh, thing that brands can do. Uh, How you do describe voices, how you work with artificial voices. And, And I think this is really a topic that we are working a lot on. And also in the next one two years, the AI part is something that you know stimulates us a lot. So we are working in our tools in making uh, the overall media production more AI savvy, so that you can you know just give some indication and you know the system does it for you and to simplify life in, in a kind of uh, in, in these things. So this is something that um, engages us a lot so automatic like music production and all these kind of things. Another point is also n- new interesting things that happen in the media landscape, for example, the metaverse. Uh, something funny just happened in, in uh, June, July when we uh, we created like an execution for the uh, Pride Month for MasterCard. It was a track created by an artist from from the LGBT plus community and uh, and this track was amazing and uh, you know uh, Masaka used the track for the communication in in the social channels but then the track was taken into the metaverse on the dance floor in the Pride Plaza in uh, in the Central Land and people da- danced to that track with the the, uh, the avatars basically and this just happened and then we we thought okay this is you know the very first metaverse implementation of a sonic identity. And you are feeling that moment in a very new space where this never happened before. So I'm pretty engaged on that. And of course, I know that there is something that we are discussing, like the metaverse is really reality, but there is a long path to go for a lot of brands. But we are still you know, seeing that there is a lot of potential, just as I told you before at the beginning, we create for our years. So there is a lot of opportunity to create now another medium that works very well for your ears, and also in a three-dimensional space, which is also very challenging for for us. And I'm very intrigued to see, you know, the the implementations of uh, sonic identities in the metaverse coming more and more in very different sectors. So I think sound is something that can transport you into the metaverse in a very seamless way, in a very uh, interesting way. So this is on the agenda for for the next uh, month. So it's enough. And also the way to collaborate with artists, I think it's also uh, something we are exploring a lot. We did a major collaboration with uh, a Miami-based Latin artist, uh, Domino Saints, for Mastercard in the couple last two years, and uh, has been used also for the Copa America, for the for the sponsorship and everything. But was interesting that, you know, normally brands have like a sponsorship with an artist, but in this case, MasterCard, we infused the sonic DNA of MasterCard in in the artist creation. So there is a subtle way, you know, to to create pop culture with a brand and not just using existing pop culture, but just create it. And they went like number one in a couple of, of countries in South America. And this was amazing because you can tell it or not, but the sonic uh, identity is there in the song. Like, use it. And uh, this is something that intrigues me because it uh, opens up to a lot of possibilities and opportunities for brands. That's incredible.
0: Now, a second to last question I ask everyone who comes on the show as we wrap up is when you first started, and that could be playing in bands just as a regular musician and all the way up to now, how do you define success when you first started and how has that changed over time and how do you define success
1: now? I define success, um, it's not selfish, but I define success for myself as a person because I think the success outside is the success you have with yourself. And I think for myself, success is to go to work every day and not to think about I'm doing a job. There is a seamless transition uh, you know, this is the passion. And this is, I think, success is taking a passion and making this your, your job. And uh, I think this is, uh, for me, the definition of success. Until it's that, then I'm successful.
0: <laughs> I love it. Now, last question, where can people find you? Websites, social media, all that stuff.
1: I am a lot in LinkedIn, so people can find me in LinkedIn with my name, and please reach out. I love conversations, so we have a lot of conversation without knowing where they are going, right? So it's a really interesting, uh, because of the, the multifaceted way we work, we have conversation with a lot of very different professions from very, very different backgrounds. So LinkedIn and Instagram with my name, and uh, this is where I, I'm around.
0: Beautiful. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. I think people are going to get some amazing insights from this.
1: Thank you, Akash. And thank you for for having me in this uh, really like uh, going with the float conversation. I enjoy it so much. Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you. That's the end of today's episode.
0: Thank you so much for listening as always. And considering I work in the world of video game music and sound, and so many people are always asking me, how they break into that field, I have a newsletter set up for you. So if you want to learn how to make music and sound effects for video games and actually be paid to do it, just go to bit.ly forward slash soundbizpod. Sound B-I-Z pod. And that newsletter will set you up with two free courses and a bunch of free ebooks and even sound effects. They'll get you set up and teach you how to work in the world of video game music and sound. Thanks so much. And I'll see you next time. And if you're looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to, this podcast is actually a part of the Audio Podcast Alliance, featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. So if you want to check those out, hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.